Welcome to the My Intimacy Therapist podcast. I'm therapist and coach, Shade Giovanni. If you want to feel less anxiety in your relationships and enjoy a confident and spiritual intimate life, you're in the right place. So grab a cup of tea and a warm blanket and let's talk intimacy. Hey, so this is another episode within the theme of stories, hearing real people share their stories with the hopes that something in it relates to you so that you don't feel so alone, so that you can hear that someone else has been through something similar, you know, the type of stuff that people don't usually talk about openly or share on their social media page, the darker stuff, the messier stuff, or the just less clear stuff. And so my hope is that in hearing our guest's story today, you will feel seen, known, and loved. Let's begin. Hello, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Today's actually really chill. The sun is out. It's like almost summer, right? Summer's officially in May. Yes. Yeah, um, unless in California, I know we have like that June gloom. So I guess that's still coming. I don't know. <laughs> Originally from Florida, fair. so I have no idea. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, and I'm in Atlanta. Okay, well, that aside, doing great. Would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Jennifer Adams. I am a trauma therapist, associate marriage and family therapist. So I am actually studying for licensure right now (laughs) to become a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I am also a marketing agency owner where I bring my clients social media game and sales and engagement all the way up. Um, And I'm also a PhD student in trauma and disaster relief at North Central University. So I wear many hats, but in all of the hats, I just really love to empower others um, especially healing through trauma, social media, and storytelling. So that's my, that's what I do. I love to empower others. Yes. What drew me to you was how, well, your colors and stuff on your Instagram are very vibrant and your style and your fashion mm-hmm. and how you speak out about all of this. But then once we talked one-on-one and then hearing the why behind what you do and especially the why behind why you chose trauma as your field that was really important and what's the word empowering definitely but oh courageous that's the word I'm looking for (laughs) of you so um I would love if you'd be open to sharing your story about your first marriage and Mm -hmm. everything that came with that um which I will put this in the show notes but also just to have it audio wise There's probably Mm -hmm. a trigger warning in here somewhere. And so Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this and you've been in a relationship that has had um, trauma or abuse or anything like that, then just be cautious, take care of yourself, feel free to pause and, you know, maybe visit another episode if if you're not ready for this. But your story has a very happy turnaround. I have a very empowering, like, you can make it through it message. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely why we're meeting today. So yeah, to let's tell the people wherever you'd like to start your story. Yes. So um, I'll start, you know, with the um, 
the previous marriage and then, you know, obviously dive into a little bit of childhood because as we, um, you know, even as a therapist, right, we all can kind of think about like, could this have been prevented? Um, what were patterns, um, triggers, those kind of things that, that can happen. Um, and a lot of it was my childhood, (laughs) Mm. but not, um, but basically I was married to someone who in the beginning seemed very charming. Um, you know, nice guy seemed, seemed okay. Um, claimed he was Christian, that kind of thing. And at first, you know, everything was okay. Um, as things progressed and we got married, I learned that I was married to someone who had struggled with addiction, um, since the age of 14. Um, he also shared with me that it possibly was earlier than that. Not too sure. Um, that's his, his story, but, um, he had struggled with addiction for quite some time for alcohol. Um, and also, um, he had struggles with bipolar Now, obviously that doesn't mean anyone with bipolar doesn't deserve love, isn't capable of healthy relationships. But as a therapist, I know that usually there's an issue with um, addiction or substance use with some of the disorders. Um, And, you know, the first year was was okay. Um, No red flags that I was aware of at that time, of course. Um, But when we passed the first year of marriage, um, he started drinking even more. Um, when he would drink, he would just kind of state things like, I can't accept the unconditional love that you give me. Um, and you know, of course that breaks your heart. You're, you're wanting to be there for your partner. You're wanting to love and support them and whatever their dreams or their desires are. And unfortunately, um, his trauma, uh, from childhood was so deep that, um, when we tried couples counseling and when we tried, Uh, I found an amazing individual therapist for him. It was so deep and and probably too hard to uh, face his trauma. So we ended up obviously um, filing for divorce. Um, He also would say pretty emotionally abusive things. Um, At one point, um, you know, we all know that usually with domestic violence, it doesn't have to be physical for it to be domestic, you know, violence, right? Um, It can be emotional abuse. things like that. And for mine, it was emotional and it almost got physical. Um, There was one time where he did lunge after my throat. So just fair warning for anyone out there, you know, if you need to pause, it's okay. My, my story is one of hope. Um, And, you know, obviously when those things happen, um, I reverted to the, no, this is not going to happen. If we are not happy, um, we had already filed for a divorce at this point when it, when it kind of escalated, he, he escalated his drinking. Um, but thankfully, you know, when we got the divorce, it was kind of like, okay, we're going to go our separate ways. But obviously, you know, the housing situation, he was still living there, um, those kind of things. And it continued to escalate, continued to escalate um, the drinking wise. And I just started to feel not safe. Um, there were other things that he was doing that I don't want to share just to not embarrass him. Um, but he would do some things while he was sleeping, um, that were just not normal. Um, and it was due to the medication and the the alcohol. And so I just, you know, uh, ended up thankfully, um, applying for a restraining order. I had to get a restraining order because he refused to leave the home, even though he had friends, um, and a, and a workplace to go to that provided beds. 
Um, but you know, um, unfortunately had to get a restraining order. Thankfully he left that day. Um, and you know, we had to appear in court later on to just finalize the divorce stuff. Um, and so that was not fun, um, obviously, because, you know, when you go through that kind of stuff, it's really difficult because you think, especially if you're someone like me, that's like an empath and we care about people. You think like, was it my fault? Um, even before when I was contemplating divorce or, um, you know, separation, I, I'm a, you know, person that believes in God. And so I would go to church and it kind of made me upset, but the church was like, oh, well, you're not praying hard enough. You're not praying the demons out of him. You're not having enough faith. And um, I was already obviously praying to God about all of this. And my, my God was telling me that, hey, his trauma is too deep. There's the, you know, he has to choose that on his own. Um, and, you know, I have to, I have to get safe. And I just remember being like, um, <laughs> I don't think God would want me to be in like an abusive relationship. You know, I respect other people's cultures and religions, but I just, I don't believe that for me, for me. Um, and I even prayed and asked God for a scripture. And he gave me a scripture um, in Malachi saying, you know, the husband is not supposed to bring violence to the wife. He is supposed to treat her like a precious garment, which that'll come up a little later in a positive way. Um, and so, you know, I, I did the move, made the divorce, that kind of thing. Um, it was really hard, obviously, as, as a therapist myself, I, I know a lot of resources. I even tried to call before everything kind of escalated. Um, I even tried to call the domestic abuse hotline and the North Hollywood police station spoke with a female cop. Both of them said, we cannot do anything until there's actually been physical violence. And I was shocked as a therapist. I was like, what what and they were like yeah well because he hasn't you know you've avoided contact with him he hasn't actually made contact with you um you know there's nothing we can do you know the cops can't really get involved blah 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 and I was like okay and then obviously they give you the resources of yes the shelters and things like that but I just kind of really thought that that was unfair because wait a minute why am I supposed to leave an apartment and then we're on a lease and I was not allowed to break the lease because it hadn't gotten physical yet, even though I'm pretty sure that that was supposed to be happening. Um, who knows? And, you know, I couldn't afford a lawyer, you know, all those kind of things. And, you know, that was just really shocking to especially speak to a female cop. But thankfully that all left. Um, it also brought up a lot of childhood stuff for me. Um, I was raised in a domestic violence home. Um, my father was the abuser and my mother was the victim. And that went on for many, many, many years. Um, I want to say 20 plus years. Um, and since I've actually been in grad school, I learned that, um, you know, my father, he struggled with alcohol, but he obviously didn't consider it alcoholism because, you know, in a lot of our parents' generations, they talk about how like, oh, mental health is for crazy people, right? That was unfortunately the, the term that was used back then. Um, horrible term, obviously, but that's what was used back then. And, 
you know, I, I ended up going through addiction counseling classes in grad school and, you know, um, couples counseling classes. So this was like way back when I was before, you know, I had even met my ex-husband and, you know, I learned these conversations of these patterns, right. And having that happen as a child, I definitely was in therapy from eighth grade on, um, due to having chronic anxiety and depression due to witnessing that trauma for so many years and years and years, you know, your dad beating your mom, yeah, not, not okay to, um, see. And, you know, later I learned the dynamics, uh, and, you know, apologies have been said and, and my dad's not, you know, obviously a horrible person, but addiction is just a, just a horrible thing to go through, you know, um, anyone can be susceptible to addiction, of course. Um, no one's, no one's, you know, ever not susceptible to any addiction, food, sex, drugs, you know, alcohol, working out, you know, anything. Um, and I learned things about my past that unfortunately led me to being susceptible to yes, marrying somebody with addiction. However, in my defense, a lot of people did ask me that question. Oh, you're a therapist. You know, how come you didn't see the red flags when, you know, you got married to your ex-husband and didn't you see the warning signs? Aren't you guys like really good at detecting things? And I was like, well, yeah, okay. Maybe there was one or two red flags. Like, um, we just weren't on the same page as far as faith and that kind of thing. Okay. There's certain red flags, but no, I hadn't seen any red flags as far as like drinking was concerned or like his trauma and how deep it was. Um, so I, no, I didn't know that. Um, and so for me, that felt very hurtful, right? Because you're, you're a woman struggling through this and people are throwing so much judgment, so much judgment. And I, and I just remember thinking to myself, wow, as a therapist, I'm calling these resources and none of them are really willing to help me out. And, and that felt so scary and so alone. Cause again, I don't have family in California at all. Um, they're all in Florida and, you know, obviously family was helping me as much as they could, but, um, there's only so much people can do. Right. And it was a horrible experience to go through and just witnessing like, oh, okay. Like, yes, while I might've attracted certain people, it's obviously not my fault for like the abuse, right. Because that's someone else's decision. Abuse is never okay. And yeah, there were certain patterns in my childhood that yes, um, research does show that if you have gone through that experience, research does show you are more susceptible to going through that in your first marriage or some dating experiences. But for me, I ended up learning that he is a covert narcissist. And if you know anything about narcissists um, in general, whether it's narcissistic personality disorder or narcissistic tendencies, again, I'm not his therapist, so I can't diagnose them. Um, but when they have those qualities, they're really good at unfortunately manipulating, uh, making friends really quickly, all those kind of things. Um, you know, so no, I, I didn't see those. But while that was horrible, and I went through obviously a lot of depression and questioning myself of like, great, now I'm a statistic, I'm getting a divorce, uh, you know all those things. I said, I didn't want to marry someone with, you know, addiction problems, um, you know, that wasn't willing to treat them and, you know, basically trying to prevent what happened in my childhood that didn't feel good, of course.
And I remember going to my therapist being like, wow, um, I am not an angry person, but I just went to the gym the other day and I was punching a bag and listening to music and I wanted to just punch it and cry. Um, and she sat there and she was like, yeah, I get that. That's your, your body's response to the, you know, to the trauma that you went through that you're trying to heal from. And so I ended up buying one. <laughs> it was during the, the pandemic. So gyms were closed at that point. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So I ended up buying my own and it's still, you know, in my apartment. Um, and it was really helpful to just continue to have the therapy sessions. You know, the pandemic also hit, so it wasn't fun as well because um, you're isolated from everyone. So I couldn't have, you know, a divorce party when it finally happened. I couldn't see all my friends to get that support. Um, so my therapist and my family and friends texting and calling was my rock. Um, and I read a lot of books. Uh, one of the best, one of the best two books that I've actually read is um, Psychopath Free. And that one talks about um, narcissists, emotionally abusive people, um, you know, what, what they gravitate towards, what that's like, what love bombing is. I mean, it goes into everything and it really helped me understand more of like what was going on and how it wasn't my fault. Um, and that it just, it happens. Like there's only so much we can unfortunately prevent. And that book was just really good. And I also wanted books on divorce from the Christian aspect. And shockingly, there's not a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe not surprisingly, there's not a lot. Yeah. And I ended up finding one that's called the, um, it was so cute of a title. I just looked on Amazon, right? And I had gone to bookstores. Um, none of the support groups, weirdly enough, for divorce care was happening. Um, so I wasn't sure. And um, what ended up happening was I got, I Googled on Amazon and it showed um, the Christian chick's guide to divorce, what her friends wish they would, you know, what their friends wish they could say to her. Mm. And, you know, you click through on Amazon and you look at the little, like, you know, the back of the book and you can read some ex uh, excerpts and it was really good. Yeah. I ended up reading those books, you know, in the same process as, you know, going through therapy and my therapy, she's Christian. She's, she's blunt. Uh, she really, you know, can nail things. And, you know, she just really gave that space for me to um, process, you know, all that judgment and, you know, everything that had just not only been thrown at me, but also, you know, because the comments from people are just like horrible when Did you share it. I, you? yeah. So I actually ended up, you know, obviously blocking my ex right. and, you know, blocking him off of all platforms. Um, and it was interesting because one of the girlfriends that I used to live with, she actually, I sat there and messaged her and I said, Hey, if you want to follow him, that's cool. But anyone that's following him, I'm going to have to block or unless you want to unfollow, it's up to you. It's your social media. I'm not going to control anything, but I just don't feel comfortable having people like know what I'm doing. If they're in contact with him due to my safety. Uh, this was somebody I used to live with and she wrote a message back saying, well, he didn't abuse me. Um, okay. So yeah. that's okay. You've touched on this theme in a lot of ways, but I was going to mm -hmm. ask, you know, how did the community, your community respond? Because this is like yeah. a thing where mm -hmm. people, maybe it's human nature, but mm -hmm. people who haven't lived a situation then mm -hmm. just 
you know, the, the P word mm-hmm. projecting all yep. of their thoughts and opinions on mm-hmm. what you should have done, what's better, what's worse. And when we're talking yep. about something as big as abuse or divorce, mm-hmm. that is a, such a tender place where ideally mm-hmm. we would be cared for and <laughs> seen as having a bit of um, perspective, maybe that mm-hmm. random doesn't. So to hear that a really close friend of yours. Yeah, I mean, we that. were close because um, we kind of got some distance after I had gotten married. You know, I was busy being married. I was I, at that time and um, working and that kind of thing. So we did fall out of touch as far as like hanging out and talking. But this was somebody that I lived with for quite a while. Um, and for her to say that was was very hurtful. And I just sat there and I, I knew she had also been divorced. So it even hit Aww. even harder. And I was like, are, are you serious? And I don't, I don't know if there was domestic violence in hers. I'm not sure. But either way, it was kind of like, ouch, ser- seriously? How so did I just you... sat there and I was like, how did I respond? Well, how did you cope with feeling that on all the different fronts, whether it was from people who were judging you for being Christian and getting divorced or people who didn't believe your story or... You know, it it, 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 it's, I'm not going to lie. It was really hard at first because, you know, you go to church for safety and then for some, you know, people at the church. Um, and these were, by the way, uh, leaders of certain churches, Mm. um, saying this to me. Um, and I was just shocked, uh, initially just shocked. And thankfully, um, I have a solid, you know, it's been rocky, obviously, at certain times. Um, but I have a solid relationship with God. And I just remember feeling every time I prayed that it was divorce, not separation, that his trauma was too deep. Obviously, I'm not I'm a trauma therapist, but I am not like his therapist. And so, you know, a lot of people um, just think that you can do that. But no, like, if it's your partner, and if they don't want to address the issues, that is not my job. I am not his therapist ethically and legally. I am not my partner's therapist. Um, so in the beginning, it was, it was really, really hard. It, it felt very isolating, um, which added to, to the, the, the depression at that time. But I also thankfully had a solid support system as far as friends and my mother um, and, you know, my therapist. I think if I wouldn't have had that solid support system to kind of counteract those thoughts probably would have been worse um and so I feel for those who are going through you know domestic violence or just any kind of toxic uh relationship or situation um I feel for them because it you know if you don't have that support group it's it's very isolating of a feeling especially if you're trying to get out of a relationship and for me what aggravated me and got me mad the most was the the system the actual like Mm-hmm. court system and, and, and doing all of that. Um, just because, you know, thankfully I had saved a lot of evidence of text messages and those kind of things and was able to get a restraining order. But I also think I got lucky, um, in getting a restraining order. The lady typed it up for me and she was about to leave that day at a self-help center. Uh, the sheriff was supposed to serve him. Uh, they wouldn't, uh, you know, different things like that. They wouldn't do it until like five days later. I mean, everyone was just telling me all these conflicting things. And so it was very scary, but I knew that I needed to get out. I, I knew that based on my childhood and based on the things where I had confronted my dad when, 
you know, he was being abusive and telling him to go lay down and sleep. I was that child that got up in my father's face and said, you need to go lay down. You were drunk and <laughs> those kind of things. So I was kind of a, I guess a warrior uh, since I was a child apparently. Um, and I knew that I did not want that for my future. So I knew I needed to take action and I was willing to fight and extremely hard, of course, but I was willing to fight to say, this person needs to leave. This is not my fault. My safety is in danger. This needs to happen. Um, and I think maybe that fiery spirit is also what has uh, put me through. I know in therapy, we call that resilience. Well, I've been through a lot of crap in my life. So yeah, I guess I have a lot of you know, resilience. Um, but it was isolating. It was very isolating and shocking as a therapist calling some of these resources that we give clients. So what would you say to someone who is in a relationship that is, and I'll say it maybe the way someone would feel it, that might mm -hmm. be abusive, right? Because when you're inside mm -hmm. of a relationship, especially if you have a really long history with the person, or mm -hmm. if it's not consistent abuse, if it's once every couple months or every couple of weeks, mm -hmm. or it's not that bad, you know, that whole cycle gets really strong. Yeah. How, as a therapist, would you help them to mm -hmm. understand the way the trauma is forming or storing itself in their body, in their mind? Mm -hmm. For me, I started realizing what was going on. Like when I was crying a lot, I wasn't sleeping enough. Um, so that was kind of like almost an everyday thing. However, usually, again, I'm not going to say that this is for everyone, but usually abuse kind of keeps happening either in like little cycles or those little cycles get bigger and more frequent. Again, everyone's story is different. Um, but for me, if, if I, you know, and I've had clients be in, you know, relationships like that, um, thankfully I have therapy, so no counter transference there. But when it comes to that, I almost always, even some of my girlfriends have gone through this. I always say, please research, research what trauma is. Um, you can look up things like trauma bombs. You can look up, um, domestic abuse. And a lot of people, obviously domestic abuse used to be just associated with physical, but obviously it can be financial. Um, somebody's controlling your finances. Uh, they need to know everything you're spending things on. Um, now, mind you, obviously, if you have a partner and you're, you know, you're having those healthy conversations, that's yeah. different versus somebody um, controlling things. If you've experienced um, things like sexual abuse, um, spiritual abuse, uh, there can also be, you know, obviously emotional abuse, which is one of, unfortunately, the most common ones. Um, I would educate yourself on what healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships are and what they look like. Um, because it's important to realize at the baseline, right? What is a healthy relationship, right? What is that, right? And is it a perfect person? I will no. even say to that too, as you're researching, be careful about the source. That's the yes. biggest thing because, you know, today's digital age, anyone who has a computer can post an article or blog. And yep. the hurtful thing recently, I don't know if you've noticed it, is people using the word narcissist completely out of yeah. context. Yes. For, you know, like he didn't, you know, call me back when I wanted to. He's such a narcissist. Like it's just unhelpful. Yeah. I've, I've seen that all over the internet and on TikTok and, uh, 
you do have to be careful, right? Because there is a difference between narcissistic personality disorder and people who have narcissistic tendencies. Tendencies meaning it's not a full-blown personality disorder. If it's a full-blown personality disorder, they have to be diagnosed by a life, you know, like by a a therapist. Um, They have to be because again, you know, even me, right? Like when I see things, certain things, uh, you know, on the news and stuff like that, I can't judge. That is not my client. It is, you know, I can't judge if they have a narcissistic personality disorders. I can see traits. Sure. Can we recognize certain traits? But as far as people throwing around that word, please be careful because it has to be diagnosed. There has to be certain uh, traits that show up, uh, certain symptoms that, you know, can happen. Um, So, I mean, even throwing around, I've, I've seen people throw around things like, oh, people with bipolar are violent or different mm. things like that. And it's like, no, yeah, you yeah. know, like, no, you have to, like, if you're not a professional, stop, like, please, please stop because please. It's, it's damaging. And even people that have narcissistic personality disorder, there's one account that I even follow on TikTok. Some of them can experience love and get healing and, and identify those things and get that healing or, um, you know, address whatever patterns and stuff like that. So, you know, with any diagnosis, there is a possibility for change. Is it harder for some of the diagnoses? Yes. But um, throwing around terms like crazy, um, narcissistic, um, you know, those kind of things is like, you got to go back to what is a healthy and an unhealthy relationship. If somebody doesn't call you back for five hours because they're working at work and they can't text you 50 million times a day. Yeah. Mm, it's not. <laughs> you might want to look at like some of the, some of the things or some of the things that might be flaring up for that person, right? Like they might want that partner to text them back immediately because maybe they need to address some abandonment issues that they're mm. not even aware of, you know, it's not their fault. It's just they might not be aware of some of the abandonment issues. And so it's playing out in their relationship. Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you send me your location? You know, all those kind of things, but it depends, right? There's a difference between cheating and, Hey, is there something going on that like, you need to feel more safe in this relationship? Or did you experience a a previous unhealthy relationship? And now you're dealing with a healthy one. Like what's going Mm. on, right? There's so many ways to obviously address that. Even when you said I've seen it it play out like, if you can find, if you can orient around the word safety, how does this relationship create safety or attempts to create safety? Cause we're, you know, imperfect mm-hmm. human beings. So if mm-hmm. you tell your partner, Hey, you called me a bitch while we were arguing, that yeah. didn't feel great. And your mm-hmm. partner says, you're, you're right. My bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we have an attempt to create safety. Cool. Yeah. If you have a pattern where they go, well, I only said that because you dot, dot, dot. Uh, now we have mm-hmm. like a, okay, 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 okay. Let's shift in accountability. Let's, let's see what's that. going on. Can that shift in accountability be addressed in therapy? Okay. So we go to therapy mm-hmm. over a couple of months. That doesn't happen anymore. Awesome. But mm-hmm. kind of like what you're describing, it's this pattern, mm-hmm. these cycles that yeah. don't get addressed, that continue happening, mm-hmm. that there's this. Um, and I don't know if you described experiencing this, but this flood mm-hmm. of apology and I'll do better and maybe gifts and all that. Yeah, all that. that does. That does happen. I experienced a little bit of that. Um, Cause my ex, you know, we tried couples counseling and that was well, bad, 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 bad choice. 
um, who, yeah. with a narcissist. <laughs> um, and he would consistently not take accountability um, for things. And he would consistently blame me, um, which wasn't realistic. I mean, the things he was trying to blame me for didn't make sense. And the therapist sitting across from me um, was like, what? Um, and you know, there was even one session where I was crying and crying and crying. And she's like, do you, do you see that your you know wife is, is crying in front of you? How does that make you feel? And he was mm. very ex- emotionless. And he was like, well, does it feel good? And that was like, that was it. That's like, it. and you know, again, not everyone likes couples counseling. Right. So I ended up finding him a, a male uh, individual therapist. Cause I did ask him like, do you prefer that? And again, it was his choice to go. So he did go for a couple sessions, but, um, he didn't, you know, stick to it and that's fine. Cause his trauma was just so deep and so triggering. So I get it. Um, I hope he does one day, but basically in that, in that cycle, there are little spurts and, and things that happen, but for me, it's kind of recognizing those patterns and, it wasn't me trying to point the finger at anyone. It was like, okay, clearly you're not happy. Clearly this is not a, a good dynamic um, if you are escalating drinking, saying things. But I always tell people too, like if you're going through a situation and you're trying to heal from um, you know, anything, right? Like childhood stuff is coming out and it's playing in your maybe healthy relationship, right? Listen to what the words are that you're saying to yourself filter what other people are saying to you because you have to be very careful what people are saying to you right um like for me people were like oh you're not having enough faith or why didn't you see the red flag if I would have taken that I would have it would have been really 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 bad I don't know if I would have been here to be completely honest Mm -hmm. uh don't know um and you also have to listen to what your body's telling you um because you can feel it in your body. If you don't feel safe, you can feel it in your body. And I've talked to several clients that if they've gone through any kind of like, maybe it wasn't full blown, you know, domestic violence, maybe it was just emotional words, you know, being emotionally abusive words being thrown at them, you know, a lot, or um, they would get jealous of them even just having guy friends or, you know, all those kind of things. Um, It can be triggering, right? Like they'll store things in their bodies where they have this kind of like, what we call hypervigilance, where it's kind of like, you're always scanning for danger. And you're always like, oh, if I don't, if I don't text my partner, and if I don't tell him where I'm at, like, he might get mad at me, right? Mm -hmm. Even though like, maybe your partner hasn't ever shown that. But because of past experiences, you can experience that. So I always first say, please research what healthy relationships are. Uh, There's a therapistaid.com. There's a lot of uh, worksheets on there that are great. There is stuff about relationships on there. Um, And one of the forms is what is the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationships? I actually just did that with a client recently. And you can print it out, look at the red flags, the green flags. It's really good to look at. Um, And then also just seeing like, how is it, how is it tying into like your body, your spirituality, um, your core values, your, your principles are the things that you hold dear being pushed away or denied or anything like that, that's not good, right? Because if you say, for instance, like to work out or um, go to church or anything like that, and your partner's preventing you from that or not supporting, again, it depends because if somebody's, you know, not religious, then that's understandable. Um, But you might want to look at those things. What, What is it that you really want? 
right? Like when my clients are going through certain relationships, what is it that you want? You know, do you think, you know, you're happy? Do you notice anything that makes you feel uncomfortable, right? Because people have to get to that stage, right? A lot of people are like, why don't people leave, you know, domestic relationships? They leave after seven times. And if people have not been through that, they're going to be like, what? Why didn't they leave? Why didn't they report? And it's like, well, honey, if you haven't been through that, then you don't know how difficult it is. And then Which, a lot of the for people those that have kids. That is seven times, seven attempts of leaving. So yep. that's the average, not just seven times of something happening. It's seven times yeah. where a person who's a survivor of DV mm-hmm. works up the courage, makes the plan, yep. or you know, impulsively does just leave. But mm-hmm. then due to that relationship, due to yeah. the coaxing and the I'll do better and whatever it might be, they go back. Yeah. Seven times. And I will preference and say that the show made M A I D on Netflix, uh, was triggering, definitely triggering. So if anybody watches that, it is a good show though. I will say to talk about addiction and domestic violence, but please, if you are triggered in any way, um, cause I didn't think I would honestly get triggered because it's been so many years since my uh, divorce, but I did. Um, so I would definitely recommend if you're triggered at all by any domestic violence, please watch it with a friend, um, or, you know, have therapy that day or something like schedule it. Um, cause there are a couple episodes where, where it gets intense. Um, I will say that, but it was, it was such a good show because it talks about her journey, her several attempts to leave. Um, she gets in a shelter at one time. She's speaking with other people that are attempting to leave as well and go back and, you know, it's, it, it is a good dynamic and it does talk about the, the system uh, in a very, very realistic way about how it's not set up sometimes for certain things, which is also, while it's super negative, it's also good because you see the gaps in resources and people have come alongside and created those resources. Um, but years and years, you know, ago that happened to me and I took the time to do the healing, to do the therapy. Um, and actually one of the reasons why I own a marketing agency is because I couldn't afford the rent by myself and I didn't want to leave my job as a therapist at a nonprofit, um, because the work that I'm doing with clients is so like awesome. And I didn't want to leave somewhere and just get burnt out and make triple the income. It just, it wasn't worth it for me. And I just kept praying and I was like, no, I feel like I should stay created a marketing agency. And then I'll also work opportunities, um, presented themselves with extra income. And, um, I've been able to pay all my bills and I thought I would go homeless way back then. And I was close to that, but now I'm able to pay all my bills. And, uh, you know, I even get emotional sometimes going to the grocery store because I remember bill or grocery store. Um, And so, you know, those things are real, but fast forward, I think I filed in what, 2018. Um, And then the divorce took way too long to finalize due to the court system and his no response and then the pandemic. Um, But fast forward to now, I'm able to pay my bills. I'm able to, you know, the apartment that I have, um, you know, with, I, I did share this same apartment with my ex, but I created this apartment to have, you know, things in here. I changed like paintings on the wall. I like, my therapist said, change things on in your apartment as much as you can. 
Um, and I've created the safe space that I really have never had um, in general. And I ended up, <laughs> right as the pandemic happened, I ended up meeting my uh, now fiance. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and so really quickly I tell did. people about like, for someone who's listening to your story and thinking, um, mm-hmm. I don't know how I would ever learn to love again after something like that, or I just don't see myself yeah. ever being able to trust someone or what if I end up with someone else who's exactly like my ex? Yep. How, what would you say to them? Well, first of all, I have had all of those thoughts mm-hmm. <laughs> before I, I met my uh, now fiance. And, oh, it, it was hard because, um, you know, after my divorce, I did date some, uh, you know, just had a little bit of fun, you know, just dated. And some of them were nice guys. Some of them were just just emotionally not what I needed. <laughs> not that they were bad. It just wasn't the intellectual connection that I needed. Yeah. Um, sweet guys though, sweet guys. Um, and I just remember being in therapy and it's so, it still gets me like a little emotional to this day. I remember being in therapy and saying, I don't know if I'm ever going to get excited again about love or get like, I want marriage and kids. So I was like, I, I don't know how to even think about that. So that was like way back then. Right. So when I meet him, um, a lot of people don't talk about this. Um, now it's blowing up on TikTok. I have seen this, um, but not a lot of people talk about what it's like to go from an unhealthy relationship to a healthy relationship mm-hmm. and what the dynamics end up looking like, right? So in the beginning, um, when I'm meeting him and I'm getting to know him, um, I'm obviously on guard um, based on what I experienced I'm not trying to get married and get divorced several million times. Um, no offense to anyone that has things happen. I get it. My mom's been you know, divorced a couple of times. Um, and I, for me, just kind of wanted to be like, let me get my healing before I meet someone met him. And I was on guard. And I remember telling my therapist, I was like, I feel safe. Like, I don't know what it is, but as the months went on, I felt very, very safe around him. My body was just, mm not on high alert as the months went on. My, my body just didn't feel, um, as tense. Um, cause I would feel like tenseness in my like stomach, um, and in my hands, sometimes my brain would sometimes be racing, like, and saying thoughts like, well, how do you know that this isn't like a repeat, um, make sure you look for red flags. And, you know, it would obviously have that like high intense, you know, anxiety, the hypervigilance, of course. Um, and I remember telling my therapist, I want him close, but I'm also terrified um, of letting anyone get close. Sorry. And oh, I just remember like sitting there and being like, I don't know if I can let this person in. I want to, but this happened to me. And this, this makes me mad that I like, can't let someone that I, I think is really healthy in. And all she said was, you can only give it time, give it time. See how your body responds, keep, you know, doing the inner healing, right? Like, so, cause I had already been doing that for a while with her, but just, you know, to keep doing it. Right. Um, because then you reach a point where you're like, well, you don't need a man, but you can want the man in there. Right. There's that difference, right. There's not that codependency. And I've just never been like a codependent person. And, you know, um, I just gave it time. And as the months and months went on, you know, I continue, I continued reading my book, <laughs> Um, about hidden abuse and, and those kind of things. And 
over time, I just also kept praying about it. And he, one of the things that really, really, really stood out for me that was kind of like helping in the process of not being so tense and hypervigilant was the fact that he was very consistent. He was so consistent since day one. He has been so consistent, so loving, so caring. I mean, he, he would do things like before we even, you know, we're dating and, and, you know, before we were actually like boyfriend and girlfriend at that time, he had taken me to the hospital because I had a cyst that was hemorrhaging um, and the cysts I had gotten due to my previous divorce. And he like took me to the hospital. Apparently he had called his aunt on the way that had had this before. And he was like, how can I make the ride for her comfortable? Oh. I'm like, wait, what? You called her and said that we weren't even dating oh, at this point. <laughs> and I go, oh my God. And he like gave me a pillow when I got in the car and he was praying over me. Um, he did things like he put sticky notes and I still have a picture to this day. Cause like we were talking at this point, we were interested in each other, but we hadn't become boyfriend, girlfriend. He had had a prayer wall and he put two sticky notes that said, please help Jennifer heal from her cyst. And there was another sticky note that said, you know, please um, help Jennifer heal completely from her abusive marriage. And I just mm-hmm. remember being like, oh my God, I'm not even dating this guy. And he's showing like all these like healthy intentional things, obviously still being careful, still being cautious because some guys are really good manipulators. Right. Yeah, sure. And I was just like, you know what? let me just see. Right. So time goes by, time goes by. I meet, you know, friends, I meet family, no red flags. You know, he's not perfect, of course, but no red flags. And I looked for things like my ex-husband had, I I looked for so many things, but eventually I had to be like, no, you need to stop looking for something that might go wrong. Um, Just give it time and just let's see what happens. So when we started dating, there were moments where I was scared and I did want to kind of like break up. Um, and there were times where I, I kind of like had gotten upset and said, I don't know if I can do this and you know, that kind of thing. And I was just kind of overwhelmed. I, I think just trying to let someone in and he was patient. He was so, so, so patient. And he would send me these beautiful like messages in his car recording on his phone. Mm. And he would just say like, you know, just the most beautiful kind things and it wasn't you can tell when someone's not being like manipulative and it's like their genuine heart you could just tell it in all these messages which you know jump in there for a second because you just said something kind of important too is um well it reminded me of this the Mm -hmm. whole like follow your intuition thing doesn't quite work when you've been through dysfunction slash trauma slash abuse Mm -hmm. and here's why because all of that stuff has just like completely effed up your entire internal system. You likely don't trust yourself very well, or some of your behaviors or actions have led to consequences that have hurt you. And so everything is just this giant fire pit of smoldering Mm -hmm. mess. And so earlier you'd said, you know, be careful who you're getting Mm -hmm. that, that advice from, because you talk to someone else and they, you're in this new healthy relationship and that person says, oh, you're not feeling like a hundred percent. You're not feeling, what's the phrase Mm -hmm. I've heard? You're Mm -hmm. not feeling like it's a hell yes. Oh, you should just leave them. You deserve better than that. But Mm -hmm. no, sometimes you do want to break up with the healthy person. Sometimes 
you freak mm-hmm. out and want to end things because yeah. your attachment system is disorganized yeah. or yep. because you're afraid you're going to lose them anyway, or because yep. you just don't know. And it's terrifying. And you said the word overwhelming and there's too much information, mm-hmm. but it's because, and this is specifically probably if you're going through mm-hmm. healing work like therapy, it's because mm-hmm. you are rewiring your entire world schema yep. around love. Exactly. And mm-hmm. kindness and yep. conflict. And so when you have someone who comes in and it's calm and it's quiet and there's there's no mm-hmm. hullabaloo. <laughs> yep, there's laughter, there's love, there's safety. And I actually uh, describe it in a, in a certain way. I, I think I heard it honestly from another therapist, but I'm not sure. Um, I probably did. And I see it as I was given a certain blueprint as a child. I unfortunately right. saw what love was not. I, while I love my parents and we've had plenty of talks about what has happened and apologies and tears have been shed. And now, now I'm lucky because most people do not get this. I have a healthy relationship now with my father. Didn't, if he wouldn't have stopped yeah. drinking, if he wouldn't have uh, just kind of owned up to some of the things, I don't think I would have ever had a relationship with him. He was there, but he was not there, right. um, which a lot of people will understand in childhood. And I was given a certain blueprint. So I was obviously not for, like, I knew abuse was never okay with my ex-husband. I didn't know that was going to happen. There wasn't certain things that started happening until year two. Um, And so it's kind of like things didn't start happening until right, you know, when we got married, which can be a thing about narcissists. Oh, you're married. You're stuck with me. And then they start showing their true, you know, they take off the mask. But for me, I was given a certain blueprint. And then when I meet my ex, when I meet my now fiance, I, he didn't fit that blueprint. It's like, what do I do? He was like a totally different blueprint. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. And I'm like holding up the blueprint. I'm like, uh, wait, this doesn't, what, hold on. And you get to a point where you're like, well, wait a minute, the blueprint that I've been given, this doesn't work for me. This doesn't serve me. And you can't, you have to make that choice of, if I, you know, if I really want, you know, which I did, right. If I really want marriage and kids, I need to change my blueprint. I need to, you know, say that this, this original blueprint doesn't serve me. And with this person, they're being consistent. They're being loving. They're being safe. Yes. There were several times where I got overwhelmed and I had to express to him, like, I I don't even like, there would be times where I didn't even know what to say in words. I was like, I want you close, but I'm terrified. I don't, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to explain this to you. And he just kept being so patient and understanding. And his parents had gone through a divorce. So he, he was uh, familiar with it in general, wasn't to the extent of my parents, but he, he got it. And I was just like, Whoa. And so over time, he just continue to make me feel safe was patient. And I was like, you know, as you know, the healing was already going on for quite some time before I met him with my therapist. Um, I just was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to be myself and and see what happens. And I let my guard down at one point, it it took, took a couple tries, but I I let my guard down at one point. And now, like now, obviously we're engaged, but it was the best decision I could (laughs) have ever done because I have never sorry I'm gonna get emotional again Mm. I have never been loved like this in my entire (laughs) life and if I wouldn't have given him a shot 
I would have been, you know, blocking myself from the beauty of this love where I have so much laughter, so many happy tears, so much safety. My, my, uh, cysts are going down my eczema, even my eczema. I've been on creams for a little bit and I've taken pictures right before I met him. And I took a traumatic uh, stress class for my PhD. It was, the timing was interesting and it was all God, but my eczema has healed faster than it ever has in my entire life. And he was like, oh, it's just the creams. I'm like, no, honey, I've been on this cream for like a really long time. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's like my body and my brain feeling safe. And I have never experienced the amount of love, even our engagement ring um, when we had gone shopping months and months and months ago, um, because we did, you know, the intentional dating. Um, He, you know, we were looking at rings and I was always drawn to the pear shape, which, you know, I call it teardrop, but it's a pear shape technically in the diamond world. And I just remember being like, I kind of like the pear teardrop shape because I cried so many bad tears growing up and in my last marriage. And with you, since I've met you, I've cried nothing but like happy tears, scared tears sometimes because of my own Mm. healing journey, but nothing but like happy tears because of him. And when we found, you know, the ring that I'm now wearing, I got so emotional because I was like, this ring is not just like a, a, a ring. It's, it's a symbolism of all the sad tears that I cried are no more it's all the happiness and the scripture that I shared with you guys earlier about the husband doesn't bring, um, you know, violence to the wife. He treats her like a precious garment. When we started dating and stuff like that, he started calling me his precious garment because mm-hmm. he knew that meant I had shared that with him. And it was, it was beautiful. It was like taking something that was so negative and uh, not a good experience to go through to now going through something that is just so beautiful. Like now I'm so excited because when we have kids, it's going to like, our kids are going to get what we didn't have growing up and no one's perfect, of course, but I'm just so excited. The the healing and just everything has been beautiful. Um, And that's what I'm just so excited for. And for those of you out there listening, and I have close girlfriends who are, have gone through divorce. Um, Some of them also have kids that they're raising on their own and they're terrified of love. They've, they've seen my story as well, because I've shared, you know, in brief things on, on stuff. And then they've talked to me and they're terrified of falling in love again. They are terrified of meeting people. And I always say, listen, don't rush it, do the healing first, you know, um, because that's important, you know, not saying you have to be healed to get into like healthy relationship, but do, do the healing start now do the healing, do whatever you need to do, therapy, working out, um, groups, support groups, you know, reading books, whatever you need to do, start it now because it's going to impact you. It's going to impact your children, um, of, of like seeing the healing process. And, and when you're ready, if someone comes along, I I joked with one of them, I was like, I can interview them. I can do a full on assessment with them. (laughs) Um, and she laughed. But, you know, um, you can slowly introduce them to family and friends. You can slowly hang out with somebody that you're interested with friends or on your own. Just take it slow. I I took it slow and gave it time and one day at a time. um, And and that's okay. And I always tell my girlfriends, hey, if that's years that you, you know, or if you never want to date again, that is up to you. That is completely up to you. But some of my girlfriends, I know that they want you know, marriage and 
Um, even if they have a kid, they want like another kid. So I said, don't block it though. Don't block certain blessings, but be cautious. Yes. Be cautious. Um, because you can be susceptible to unfortunately people that will take advantage of what you've gone through, especially in LA. Um, but you know, just again, doing that healing and recognizing those warning signs. I've also told people boundaries, boundaries is a big thing. If people are not respecting your boundaries, that's a red flag. Family, I know, is different because family <laughs> dynamics can be different. That, that can be hard to place some boundaries. I get it. I've done it. Um, but at the same time, you know, if somebody isn't respecting your boundaries and, and, and trying to figure out why or if they continuously overstep your boundaries, that's someone you shouldn't date. You know, I had set boundaries with my now fiance of, I need to take a break for a couple of days, you know, cause I was feeling overwhelmed. I was feeling scared about getting close to him. I was starting to develop feelings of love. Um, and I was terrified. And what he did is he's like, okay, I understand. And he gave me that space. So always pay attention to how people respond to boundaries. Cause even when I was single and dating guys would text, you know, Oh, let's go meet up at a bar. Let's go do this or come back to my place. And I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> Whatever happened to stranger danger? I don't know you. I'm not going over to your place after the first date. Like, bruh, you know? And again, that's what happens. And it also, for me, after the divorce, self-esteem was also hit. So I had to work really hard to take off that judgment, that blame that people were putting on me, the blame that you also internalize yourself. Oh, it's a marriage. You got a divorce. You failed. You know, women go through these things all the time. And for me, I had to really work through that internal struggle and build that self-esteem back up um, of saying over time, I blamed myself for a lot of things and I had to take it off day by day to say, no, it wasn't my fault that this and this happened. No, it is not my fault that unfortunately I had a husband that checked out and completely, you know, would cuss me out and all that kind of thing. That is not my fault. That is the choice of the other person. So slowly taking off that external blame. And I actually really propelled this into two eBooks actually. (laughs) So for those of you out there listening, I actually have two eBooks where you're like, how do I do this? What's going on? Um, I actually really wanted to create some eBooks. The first one is um, tools that you can use to that you can utilize throughout the entire year. It's trauma techniques that you can utilize throughout the entire year to help with your healing process. So that ebook I have free and I'll I'll give you the link girl. (laughs) You can put it everywhere. Um, I have that ebook because I wanted to make it, you know, gender neutral and um, anyone that has gone through trauma, it's different techniques um, that I've pulled from various resources. It's not all my own. Um, but I've pulled it from various resources and I've credited like things that you can start doing now. Um, and that's, you know, the free ebook of just saying like, these are the techniques that you can utilize throughout the entire year. And it's open for males or females. Cause we know males go through obviously domestic violence and abuse as well. Um, and then the other ebook that I really wanted to do, um, which I do sell, I think I'm going to put it on for like 20 bucks, you know, keep it affordable. But this ebook, um, I'm finishing up and I'm going to finish it up within this next week and I'll give you the link to you. Um, this one is ways that you can heal from abuse um, with your partner. And this one is good because if you are someone that has been abused 
or you're a partner that's trying to support someone that has been through any kind of abuse, whether it was small or big, um, you can sit there and utilize this ebook. It, it talks about what is trauma, what is some of the responses going to look like for that partner, right? Like what are what kind of things might you see in your partner? Um, ways that you can support your your partner as they process or heal from um, any kind of you know trauma in general or abuse. Um, and then there's really cool um, worksheets. These are not my worksheets. I'll credit them in the in the ebook, but they're worksheets um, that are done by a couple people that um, which I have to contact actually. And they um, they utilize these worksheets that you can do with your partner in order to you know heal from that abuse. Things like communication, identifying triggers, that kind of thing. Um, so these are all like you know, important to, um, really look at. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all that. We will put all of the links to all of that in the show notes. Um, Mm -hmm. and just thank you for being courageous and moving through the hard things and then finding love. Yeah, (laughs) finally. (laughs) I basically have, like, I love how you're podcast that is about intimacy relationships all these things because for me um you know I just always wanted I'm such a nerd when it comes to intellectual conversation Mm -hmm. so I'm always someone who loves intellectual conversations and emotional intimacy and my cup runneth over (laughs) (laughs) with my fiance and um man I'm just I'm glad I gave him a shot because if I wouldn't have uh the emotional intimacy he gives me on a daily, daily basis has been beautiful. And that's what I think a lot of people miss out on is that we're so driven by like sex and different things that we forget how beautiful emotional intimacy is and how it does rev those engines for, you know, that other types of intimacy. Um, and not everyone can give emotional intimacy. So I am a very happy girl. <laughs> yes, I'm glad. So. Enjoy it. Drink deeply from the fountains, as they say. Yes. But yes. As... And so I'm excited. Just wanted to encourage everyone today that, you know, if you've been through some stuff, you know, um, I understand that that's your story. You can also say it's part of your testimony if you're someone who is um, religious or spiritual, but, you know, there's hope. And um, if I would have known what I was, going to go through, you know, years and years ago, um, I think I would have had a lot more hope, you know, in the depression and, um, you know, thoughts and stuff like that. And now I'm I'm just the happiest. So I just want to encourage people, you know, do what you feel like you need to do to to, to heal. Um, There is support and resources out there. My, you know, direct messages and email is always open. I can give you resources on books, worksheets, you know, so many things. Um, in order to heal but there there is hope out there and that's why I wanted to share my message is you can go through some stuff but uh, you can also have such such beauty and hope and happy tears after I hope that you were able to find something deeply meaningful and impactful within Jennifer's story that you can relate to hopefully something that encourages you towards hope and restoration and healing and all of that good stuff and so maybe all of her story resonated with you maybe not all of it maybe just some parts but whatever that may be 
take that and see what it would look like to blossom that seed and to find what you need, the next step that you need for your life. Of course, because we dealt with deeper themes like trauma and abuse, please, please, please consult with a licensed mental health professional, whether that's a licensed therapist or professional counselor or something like that, that can help you navigate the nuances of your specific situation and what a good next step would be for you. Of course, if you would like to connect with Jennifer, everything that we mentioned on to find her, to get in contact with her, that's all going to be in the show notes for this podcast episode. So check it out. Follow her on Instagram, all that jazz. I'm hoping that you will build a life and a relationship with yourself and with a partner where you feel fully seen, fully known, and fully loved. We'll talk soon.